Hello everybody, welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. And we've just come back from seeing Steve McQueen's new film, Widows. Yeah, written by uh, Gillian Flynn. Yes. Based on a 1983 uh, TV series on ITV. Yes, which is kind of like a landmark British uh, television series by... Linda LaPlante. Mm. Um, she wrote it apparently because she was just sick and tired of, of the roles she was getting offered. And uh, she wrote this thing which was, the, the premise was... Um, this heist goes wrong and um, the widows of the men who uh, felt the heist died during the heist take it on themselves, do mm. the heist themselves. And that's the premise of this. She also, she's probably more famous for having written Prime Suspect with yes. Ellen Mirren in about 1990, 1991. Maybe well, I don't know because it continued for so many years, right? There sure, was... but initially. Yeah. When it... um, I think it must have been it must have been before 92, because I think I came into it in the second or third series. I'm uh, definitely yeah, second. Prime Suspect came out first in 1991. Okay. So, this adaptation is uh, written by Gillian Flynn, who is best known for Gone Girl, I'd mm -hmm. say, um, and directed by Steve McQueen. Mm -hmm. the, uh, he won the Turner Prize, right? When he was I think he did. Uh, when he was doing and... fine art. And he did... Um, 12 Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave. Hunger the and Hunger. Shame. And shame, that's right. Um, and it's, uh, it's got an all-star cast. Amazing cast. An amazing in Widows. cast. Uh, and it's building a tapestry of life in America, or a certain kind of life in America, and a kind of survival in Chicago. Yes, it's very beautifully done. You get this really rich sense of place. It made me think of what you were saying, particularly about um, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yes. Um, about the, the complete lack of identification with place, the lack of care about making it feel like a real place. Mm. The film has been made by someone who comes from outside America. Mm. Um, this, uh, also made by someone who comes from outside America, Steve McQueen is British, doesn't suffer from that at all. I, I mean, maybe someone from Chicago might find their problems with it, but it just feels so richly observed. It's the a film about America as much as it is about anything else. I mean, you have people buying guns, uh, uh, you have the churches, you have the sleazy politicians, you have, you know, the uh, black beauty salons as kind of small-owned businesses. You have the council estates or the projects, as they call them there. Um, you have, you know, a, a, a young kid being killed just, you know, basically for being black and, you know, not putting his hands up as quickly as the police wanted. So it does kind of... Under the guise of this heist film, it is, it is, it is a kind of a portrait of America, really, uh, and about gender relations in America. And I think it's also a film that's kind of woven through with grief, mm. really. You know, and it's as much a grief for the character situation uh, as as a kind of a grief for the country and the culture, really. You know, one thing is indistinguishable for the other. I mean, we were introduced to these characters as they become widows. So, you know, their situation, their interpersonal situation is kind of almost indistinguishable from, you know, their financial, social situation, really. It all kind of, you know, becomes one. And I think it's really an amazing film. I didn't think it was amazing. Um, I mean, I think I didn't get on with it, but I kind of respect 
those elements about it. For me, um, it's like, you know, one of the greatest things I've seen this year. I mean, there are some things, you know, that I was just kind of seeing and I was just bowled over. I mean, you know, that that bit where, um, is it Elizabeth Lebicki? Elizabeth Debicki. Debicki, you know, where um, her mother's basically pushing her into becoming a whore and, you know, she goes to try it out and she's talking to this man and all of a sudden you're almost like kind of seeing her through gauze and, you know, it's like kind of the image begins to crumble, but it's kind of, you know, it, it looks both pretty, but already she's becoming this place, right? And it's almost that whole conversation takes place, you know, within that image. I just thought that was so beautiful and expressive. There's another equivalent moment where the Michelle Rodriguez character, you know, has gone to find out about where the safe is. And um, she's trying to con the, the architect's husband and he gets angry at her because, you know, he, she doesn't know that she's just died four months ago. And the scene of tears becomes one of sex and desire and hunger and loss. And I just think it's like so incredible. And then when she escapes that, you see her shot through all of these passing um, metro cars. Uh, and again, it's like this thing of like, of not seeing her fully, of seeing her torn apart, of, you know, being shattered to bits that the, you know, the, the visual effect is just so beautifully expressive and so apropos, so appropriate. I just mm. think the film is full of things like that. I just find it like beautiful. I, I didn't, I, um, a lot of elements that you described sounded like, they felt like lip service to me, like, um. Contributing to this sort of tapestry of of, of what life is like um, for a certain kind of person in a certain place in the world, but um, it kind of felt like lip service. Like you say, the the um, you know corrupt politicians or the kind of the the, the games with with money and power, um, you know, trying to get the church on side and and um, and the casual violence and the casual violence. Felt like things were just being, they felt like references to me rather than generating a kind of richness. Um, mm. What 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 felt the richest to me was the um, was the women, and and more and specifically the kind of the, the construction of gender and the way that the women interacted, and the kind of relationship they had with their memories of their. Um, husbands, their kind of grief around them, particularly Elizabeth Debicki's character, who um, she's introduced. the The only thing you see between her and her husband before the husband dies is she's got uh, a bruise on her eye. She's got a black eye, um, and he says to her, "You need to put some makeup on that or something because it makes me feel bad." Yeah, and she says, "It makes me feel bad too." It's that that's the John Berthold character, right? Yeah, whom I love, and and that's it. So there's so immediately this kind of complicated relationship starts where she's she you know she's being abused, um to some degree, but then she also loves him. And that's yes, clear, that's made clear. It's made clearer later on, um that you know sh she loves this man, and then she kind of gets sort of thrust, um into a different sort of dodgy semi-abusive relationship with this guy who 
she they're kind of developing feelings for each other, but he is paying her. Um, I don't, I yes, I I kind of I didn't quite read it that same way. I mean, basically, you know, there's this guy who wants to buy her, so he's not abusing her. I no. mean, he's just buying her, really, which is not the same thing. And no. she's kind of very active in in those choices, and and then she is developing feelings for him, and um, and he's not. So I think one of the things that I find most amazing about the film is how all of these things are always complicated. So, you know, the Elizabeth Debicki, the John Berthold character, he does hit her, and, you know, and you can tell that she doesn't like it. But on the other hand, you can tell that she really loves him, and that in some ways, that kind of very same violence that results in him hitting her is something that she finds a sexual turn on. You know, you get all of that kind of, you know, in, in their scenes together. Um, likewise, you know, Michelle Rodriguez's husband, you know, yeah, you get a, a whole bundle of feelings that are kind of intermingled. So again, you know, she loves him, but basically she's stealing his money, he's stealing her money and he's gambling it away. And, you know, the, the mother blames her for the kind of life, you know, that actually the husband is dragging her into. Mm. I mean, I think it's kind of... It's quite amazing, you know, for a heist film that I found gripping, you know, to kind of convey these really kind of layered relationships, you know, and, and sometimes conflicting ones. So I, I found it in, like incredibly rich. And I think visually it's like a marvel, really. Really? Yes, I do. I mean, some of the compositions, you know, one of the things that began and you see like, you know, the left hand side of the frame, there's somebody standing in the neighborhood you know, and then kind of, and it's foregrounded, and everything else seems kind of like really shallow, and that already gives you a sense of the place, you know, where these people are from. I thought it was amazing. There were a couple of shots that began, you know, at a rally for the church, and then, you know, kind of, uh, that's with um, Colin... Firth. Uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell character, where... You know, and then kind of you realize that the camera's actually on the car, right? And and yet you're not really seeing into the car. What you're seeing is kind of, you know, the landscape moving, right? I thought that was all, like, amazing. Mm. It feels like a stunt to me, that sort of stuff. There's, ne there's an elegance to it. Particularly, I, I mean, Steve McQueen was notable for his long take in Hunger, which was this famous 20, maybe 25-minute long take where the camera just sat there and watched the conversation between um, uh, Bobby Sands and, and the priest. And, and then in Shame, he, he had this, this long take where it was Michael Fassbender jogging and it was just went on and on and on. Really felt like a stunt. And in this, that kind of stuff is turned back to a degree. And actually when it's used, I think it's, it's very elegantly used. That shot with the car, though, that you mentioned, I, I didn't. Well, for me it did, and actually, particularly so since it's swiveled. So, you know, you begin kind of by looking on one side and you go and look by the other. So, I mean, I think it's a stunt. You know, you could say that these things are stunt if they're not expressive. But actually, all of these shots that I was describing, you know, the shot with like Elizabeth Debicki out of focus and just mm -hmm. kind of made up of lights, that's her life. That's what her life is becoming at that point. And I thought it was like very yeah. beautiful and very expressive. You know, but there was an element to that to, uh, to that car shot where you know I mean it, it's a, it's about it's about him going from from where he's been campaigning to um, 
to his house, basically. His house is his kind of base of operations, and the idea is that this character that Colin Farrell plays is, uh, you know, he's mentioned as a kind of JFK figure at one point by his dad, so he's kind of um, hoping to continue a, a kind of minor um, political uh, dynasty, and he's well off, yes. extremely so, um, and yet trying to represent a, a ward which is not very well off, heavily populated by black people, which he is not, um, and yeah, and that's that's the discussion that Brian Tyree Henry, who is his opponent, has with him, saying, yes. "I'm from here and you're not. You you live in a house that's one block in, just to say you can live, just 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 so you can say you live here." So that shot is about you know because he he it goes a few roads. It's like a minute and a half, two minutes sort of conversation that you have in the car, where where you're watching the scenery change. Yes, so I get it. Um, Nonetheless, it, it felt like it felt like I was noticing. You know what I mean? Um, felt no, like, well, I yeah. I kind of I it's wanted to notice. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can tell that it's really made by a visual artist. I think every shot is kind of you know very expressive, very beautiful, very original as well. And at the same time, it allows all the actors to breathe. I mean, the performances are fantastic. Mm, yeah, you know, like Viola Davis. It's like you know, it's like she's walking around with a cloud of hurt and sadness. You know, and grief, I mean, it's just, she's completely great, you know, uh, and all the other women are as well. I was, I was very moved by the whole film, actually. Mm. I found it like kind of, you know, really just beautiful. And actually it's beautiful because it's complex and because it resonates. You know, the whole, the whole film is overladen with grief and loss, right? I mean, first it begins with Viola Davis kind of mourning her husband you really get the feeling, you know, has been her whole life, really. Um, you know, so... And then kind of you get all the flashbacks into the sun and how the sun might have affected their relationship. And then kind of, spoilers, you know, you, you, know, you realise that kind of Liam Neeson had found another woman, had another baby, mm -hmm. right? And, you know... And then at the end, even when she discovers all of these things, she's still stroking him. You get a sense of, like, you know, she did something that she had to do, but it was it was loss and sadness, mm. you know. And I just think that's that is so beautiful. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so I kind of and I love the way that they're photographed. Like, you know, there there are some extreme close-ups where you see every line in Liam Neeson's face. You know, to it almost becomes like an abstract expressionist painting. There are so many lines and furrows and so on. You know, and then in, in some angles you also see, you know, how sexy he is, and you know, and also how sexy she finds him, and yeah. So it's almost like the kind of, you know, those two things kind of coexist. You know, and in a way that's I think very, very original and very beautiful. In particular, it's particularly original and beautiful because it is encased in a heist film. And the heist film also has, for me, the pleasures of the heist film, you know, of kind of, of them coming together, of them figuring out, of them doing the training, of them casing the joint, mm. you know. Um, but it's done in a completely different and original way, which is, you know, not just these women and, you know, these, well, a mixed race group of women, right? Um, but also each kind of, you know, with a character, really, that kind of feels both stereotypical, but also fleshed out, you know, it's kind of, mm. you know, the type, but actually, unusually, this type is also given depth, yeah. you know, like the Elizabeth the Beaky character, right? 
she's just basically the dumb blonde in any film, really. You know, dumb blonde hooker. But but she's not. She loved this, you know, this guy who turns her on but beats her. Her mother, you know, you can tell she loves her mother, but her mother is almost like wanting to whore her out. Mm. You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like kind of, you know, she turns out to be smart, you know, mm. and kind of um, she's the one who gets shot. I mean you know, kind of a, a stereotype is given all of these kind of different kind of... It's probably a measure arts. of how I failed to click with the film <clears throat> that my favourite uh, character was Daniel Kaluuya, um, who played the enforcer sort of to Brian Tyree Henry's um, challenger. Mm. Um, I mean, one of, the, one of the kind of more interesting uh, things about the film, I think, is that the, um, there, is, there is such a level of violence... Uh, in the politics, that um, that this this challenger to the to the politics um, has is is basically like a gang boss, you know. He mm. has an enforcer who murders people. That's right. Um, and um, and clearly, it's about kind of coming coming from um, a, a a very violent place, um, as in literally a violent place in America, um, mm. and violent kind of kind of situation. Not bringing because I think he talks at one point about about this job and the money that he needed for his campaign so on being being the kind of ticket out of it mm. the way to improve his life and have a life like Colin Farrell's mm. um, so uh, that's that's kind of certainly where it comes from but uh, nonetheless it's, it's kind of shocking to see that put into a political context in a way um, but the thing about Daniel Kaluuya uh, he, he his character really has no depth I mean he is the most just down the line genre character of any of them. Yeah, he's a killer. He's a killer, and and he gets these great scenes. I mean, those long takes we were talking about. He he gets a, pretty much. There's there's a couple of scenes where he is doing his enforcing. He's doing his intimidation and murdering of mm. people for for various reasons, um, and and these he gets these long takes to do them in. So the first one where it's established uh, how awful he is is. Um, uh, the guys that let their money get stolen, they were rapping at the time. And he says, I want to see it. And he makes them perform the rap and, and he lets it go on and on and on and he's staring them in the eyes. Mm. Um, this kind of awful, kind of bloodthirsty stare that he's got right in his face and then uh, shoots them. And again, it's quick and brutal and loud. Um so he and he gets these long takes to show that off. You know, it wouldn't be the same if it was being cut up. I mean, it could could be just as effective in a different way. But he gets these these long, unbroken bits of performance to show off. In as do the other actors who are in those scenes, obviously. Um, but 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 yeah, I mean, it, it's probably a measure of the fact that I was not on the film's wavelength. That those were my favourite bits. Yes, because that because they are the bits with least subtlety. They're, they're the most Boise bits. Yeah, they are. I mean, I, are you, it's absolutely right. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. That that um, I was I was thinking like, is this like a heist movie for girls? In a way, I mean, that's mm. a kind of silly way of putting it. But um, heist movies are generally speaking for boys. They are boys movies. They're about guns and car chases and bank robberies and well, Ocean's Thirteen or whatever it is, or Ocean's fourteen eight. now or eight. eight yeah. Yes, was, was, <laughs> the newest one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, is is obviously a kind of counterexample, but then that's but then what they're doing in Ocean's Eight is they're saying let's let's do this sort of glitzy gala, yeah, and you know let's let's um, and it's and it's obviously kind of comic and 
um, and light, and it's this is like a million miles better than yeah. Ocean's Eight, but it's also a million miles away. Yes, like, you know, um, in, in terms of kind of how it's how yes, it's, it's aiming, both better it. and different. Um, it's an art movie. This movie, you yeah, know, yeah, I think it's a great movie. Um, you know, whereas kind of. But let's think about it. So, so that question of is how, is it how is it aimed at women then? Uh, as you know, it's not aimed at women. We're saying in the same way that Ocean's Eight is. No, because I think I. I mean, I think this film takes on a woman's perspective or makes 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 the women's role central. But actually, I think the film is dealing with much more complex things. Mm. You know, I think Ocean's Eight was like candy floss, basically. <laughs> you know, whereas you know, I think this is a very complex film. It's telling us something about America. It's making an equivalence. You know, between like this rich fourth generation politician and a gangster, they're both the same. Right in the film, mm. they each have their enforcers. Right, yeah. like you know, so uh, um, you know, it's kind of representing these very complicated, you know, complex women who are at the foreground of the film. I mean, it's a film in which the husbands are the husbands. Right, it's kind of it's the women who are the protagonists mm. and who run the film. Right, so um, and it's kind of you know asking asking. I think questions of, you know, of like, well, it seems silly to say, but like, what is life, right? Like, you know, what has a whole lifelong relationship amounted to for Viola Davis, right? Yeah. She's got a dead son, she's got a dead husband, she's left with no money, she's just left with like grief, right? And then even her grief is stolen from her, right? Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, she can't wash away, you know, the love that she felt for, you know, this person. Right, so kind of, I mean, those are, I think, you know, very complex things to deal with. How do you relate to a mother who basically, you know, uh, you, you know, who, who's made you live on your own, you know, because she's made a living off of men and you've run off to kind of, you know, have your own life. And then, like, you know, she's still trying to pimp you out like 10 years later, but you love her. Right, which is kind of, I mean, those are kind of complex things to convey. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And I think the film, you know, does it kind of incredibly beautifully. And it is about kind of, you know, what's like for people in this America, really. You know, kind of, you know, what happens if you've got to, you know, have two jobs and go babysit somebody else's children, right, so that you can get by. I mean, mm. I, I, I think those are that's great, you know. Yeah. I did think it was interesting that, um, that there is a, another kind of subtle um, twist on the on the heist movie, which is that the heist movies uh, typically are about the big score, you know, and we all get to walk away from this with millions of dollars, and it's 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 a huge payoff, and there's a success at the end, and this that the heist in this is about doing what these women have to do to survive. That's right. Um, uh, yeah, as, as you said, Viola Davis has been left with absolutely nothing. Well, um, the others, the, the, the shots, the shots been taken away from from Michelle Rodriguez. She ran the shop, and then it gets repossessed because um, all of her money was being thrown down the drain at, uh, at casinos. Um, Elizabeth Debicki doesn't have anything, um, and 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 her mother's trying to pimp her out. <laughs> yes. Um, so they are. So there's this there's this promise of a million dollars each at the end of this. Um, and it's and it's not about that. There's no there's no kind of celebratory like oh my god a million dollars that's a it's just about that's that's a way out. That's right. It's you know 
that's what you need to build a new life for yourself, to make a new life, right? To, to escape kind of a life that's become unbearable through, you know, no uh, fault of your own, mm. right? Um, because at the end you see, uh, you know, the hairdresser, um, you know, off with her children in a car off somewhere, right? Um, so I kind of, I mean, I just, um, I just thought it was beautiful. I kind of, I want to see it again. And I think kind of the use of imagery is just fantastic, right? It's just kind of, it's just beautiful. Uh, and again, kind of beautiful because it's just so expressive. Mm. I mean, you know, these kind of things, these images that kind of linger in your mind. I mean, you know, again, those extreme close-ups of Viola Davis's face, you know, which for a while you're thinking, what am I seeing? You know, and then you realize that you're just watching like this 30 foot close up of an eye, right? With kind of all this, all the texture of the skin, you know, and kind of, yeah. And, and, you know, because a lot of the scenes with Viola Davis, it almost, it takes place in dream, in dreamland in a half dream state where, you know, she's, she's overwhelmed with grief and she's thinking about her past and, you know, she's kind of, you get a sense that she's missing her husband to the extent that, you know, she smells him. And in fact, actually, the smell is key in how she finds... Yeah, the dog. Yeah, the, you know, and then you see her spray, spraying on his cologne, right, mm. and making sense of, yeah, of, of it all. Mm. So, but, but this, you get a physical sense of need and want and missing somebody in those scenes where she's in bed thinking of, you know, how much she loved her husband. Yeah. I mean, I think that's incredibly beautiful. I, 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 did, I particularly liked the, the kind of first moment you see her uh, missing her husband is when she stands in front, she puts on a song and she stands in front of the window and it's at night, so you see a reflection back her and then Liam Neeson in the reflection, uh, you know, kind of puts his arms around her and he's there mm. and then, of course, he cut back to real life and she's just standing there. Yes. Um, which, you know, it, which is not hugely original, but I thought was really effective. Yeah, I thought I thought that was very beautiful. I thought the whole score and it, and it took its time as well. I mean, it was very sensitively done, and you get a chance to like she's kind of you know, sinking into her grief, and you get a chance to do that with her. Mm. You know, which I liked. Um, I thought the score was beautiful as well. You know, bringing in like Nina Simone and Van Morrison, and like you know, and actually again, it's it's used as a shortcut to particular types of emotion. You know, and at the end, when the last, you know, when the credits came on, and I thought, oh, my God, who's singing that? I know who it is. And then it occurred to me, it's, it's Chardet, right? Okay. Uh, um, you know, and again, with kind of, you know, that resonance. Um, I want to mention a little bit about the scene where, um, you know, the, the um, Kevin J. O'Connor character gets stabbed. Because for me, Kevin J. O'Connor is, you know somebody whom I just love from 80s cinema. And, right. and part of the reason why I love him is he's got this really squeaky voice, squeak, squeaky and, <laughs> and gentle and sensitive, you know? Uh, and so actually it was like kind of particularly resonant or painful, you know, when he was being stabbed, you know, so he gets thrown out of his wheelchair and kind of, you know, gets stabbed and stabbed and stabbed and stabbed. And, you know, and uh, um, what's his name? The one you Daniel like. Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya is almost like 
you know, wanting to hurt him, but he's paralyzed. From the, so he's trying to find out where it, it's actually yeah, going it to hurt him. Yeah, it turns into a game. Right? Mm -hmm. And so it turns into kind of, you know, it's, it's brutally violent, right? And you feel it. And on the other hand, it's also mildly funny, right? And kind of, mm -hmm. you know, part of those two things going together has to do with that voice being Kevin J. O'Connor's, right? And which also kind of evokes, to me anyway, a whole type of like 80s in the cinema as well, you know? Mm. Uh, um, so kind of, and the film is full of little bits by great actors. I mean, you know, Robert Duvall, obviously, but I, I also thought, you know, the casting of people like Kevin J. O'Connor and um, who played the, um, uh, uh, Brian Terry Henry, who oh, is my, Henry, yeah. my favorite actor of the moment, actually, you know, uh, um, from Atlanta, but you've been seeing him in all kinds of things, right? And here he reappears again, kind of, you know, fleshing out like a character, like, you know, it's, he's just great because, you know, he's often so serious and quiet and he dominates kind of a scene by saying nothing, mm. you know, by just waiting his response. So, um, I thought I thought it was fantastic, and you know, it's yeah. But sometimes personal responses can be changed by context for viewing. I mean, mm. you know, because really, I didn't expect anything of it. You know, because I did. You see, ah, well, I didn't expect anything of it. Um, um, you know, I it it has kind of an all star cast, but really not a top rung all star cast. And obviously, you know... It has those two very big names at the top, Steve McQueen and Gillian Flynn. I kind of expected things out of those. And, 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 it, and it does have a, you know... Okay, they're, they're, not, they're not Tom Cruise, but they are a really good cast. And it's a, a very a great a cast. A very impressive cast. It's a great cast, but and it's not... And the trailer as well kind of... It's not, a, it's not a cast of huge box office stars. No, no. Yeah. So... Um, so, you know, I, I kind of, and actually, to be honest, I'm not the biggest admirer of Steve McQueen as a filmmaker, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mean, 12 Years a Slave, it was almost like a kind of, I mean, I, you know, I remember seeing it with you and I felt it very deeply, but it almost felt kind of wrong, you know, to be watching that brutality and be made to admire like a sunset or whatever it was, right? Like it was almost like too, yeah, too beautiful, too pretty, you know, the way that kind of your eye was drawn. So that, I'm not, that was what I thought. That was one of the things I thought was great about that film. I do think Twelve Years a Slave is a masterpiece, despite well, the fact we both share that that um, uh, reservation about Brad Pitt saving the day at the end. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the stuff about yeah that that shot particularly uh, where he's being hanged. And, I mean, it's amazing. And you Just see this kind of pastoral scene around, and it's and it's and it's about it's about staring the kind of national shame of particularly America, but also generally Western civilization in the face. All I'm saying is that I've never really truly loved any of his films until this one. That's fair enough. You know, um, so uh, hard to love. I mean, that's probably true. They're difficult to love. Yes. Um, you know, so I think for this time, my admiration kind of meets my love. Let's put it that way. Sure. Right? Uh, and I think it's kind of, it, it both has a kind of a pace, 
you know, and it has kind of like a payoff. And it allows actors to breathe in a way that, you know, I didn't think he did before. So like, you know, kind of shame with, um, what's his name? Michael uh, Fassbender. Fassbender. You know, kind of walking around and so on. And Fassbender is fantastic. But it's almost like the role is to me too monotone, right? Kind of, whereas in this one, kind of, you know, you get all kinds of, let's say, colors and tonalities through the different characters that all of these different actors play in an ensemble that I think is really well conducted in terms of like tone. It has a kind of like a rhythm, really. You know, so if Viola Davis had been the whole film, it would have been unbearable, right? Because <laughs> there is like this cloud of grief over her, really, you know. Um, but actually, her grief is different than the Beaky's grief, than Rodriguez's grief, you mm. know. And so, so I kind of, I really loved it. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. That's great. Well, good. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of. I think it's a film to to see again. I highly recommend it. It might be good to warn people that you know don't go in with the expectations of having like a genre, you know. Oh no, certainly piece. not. Right, because I do think it's an art movie, yeah. right? Um, so it's an art movie that kind of uses the genre to comment on people in place. I mean, you know, this particular America of the moment, which is like, you know, car cemeteries and car auctions and, you know, uh, gun marketplaces and churches and, you know, kind of, yeah, um, uh, uh, gerrymandering and you know, and so on. So, you know, that's kind of the landscape that this people, these people's grief kind of stems from, basically. Mm. Um, My expectations were probably impossibly high, but I mean, they, they weren't, I don't think they were entirely unjustified by the, um, you know, kind of advertising and that sort of thing. Like, I mean, like I say, the, 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 the list of names in the cast and the names of the, of the creative team and the, um, and the trailer as well, which was, I mean, did exactly what a trailer should do, which is get you unbelievably excited. Mm. Um, to me, probably set expectations that you couldn't match, no matter what. Um, which, that's one of them things. These things yes. happen. <laughs> All right. my well, fault. Maybe we should leave it here. I loved it, uh, and I highly recommend it. And actually, I think it's a film to go back to and kind of explore again. It's, it's a film that I want to, um, you know, pay more attention to kind of the visuals, actually, because I, I did think this was extraordinary. Uh, and of course, you know, what happens is that you get involved in the plot and, you know, what's going to happen next. And sometimes in, in kind of your eye doesn't operate in the same way. And I kind of, you know, I'd really like to see it again and fixate on those elements some more. So the other film it made me think of quite vividly was You Never Really Hear. Ah, the Lynn yes. Ramsey film, yes. which again is a genre film. Yes. That's, that's a revenge uh, film, um, really. But um, it's a genre film that is uh, taking kind of huge artistic leaps yes. to um, express something greater than, than the genre typically does. I think um, that's a very good, good comparison. And particularly actually. visually. Yes. I mean, you're talking about the visuals in this, which, which I probably do need to see again to yes. really appreciate. Whereas um, you, were never, uh, you Were Never Really Here... From the first second, yes. you know, I had the sense that this was uh, yes, visually was, very special. That was very beautiful. And actually, I think both films are cinematic. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And let me, you know, again, just to specify, 
kind of they're films that require your full attention, you know, for a duration over which you have no control. <laughs> right? Like, you know, I can't imagine seeing either of those films on television. I just can't. And maybe other people are better and more disciplined than I am, but I know that I would just put the pause button on twenty five times. Right? Whereas kind of there's something about you not having control over the pause button in these films. Right, of just kind of having to go with the flow of the film itself, you know, whilst them being like so visually intricate and fascinating and expressive that I think I think they're really both really truly great films. There are there are points of of such slowness that I didn't feel find it I slow. feel they parts lack expression. I didn't find it slow at all. Uh and actually I was afraid of it because you know Went to an eight o'clock screening that started at eight thirty, you know, and I'd been traveling half the day, mm. so uh, and I had woken up really early in another country, <laughs> so I was afraid of you know how, but it had me enraptured really. Yeah, yeah. So maybe just a difference of opinion there. Oh sure. It, well, isn't it always? It... No, well, it's not always. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it, well, normally is. Normally. Normally my opinion is wrong, but I express it forcefully, and that counts. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, I'm really just mainly happy to let things go because it's 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 um, there's an element to which I think it's just not quite my cup of tea. In this mm. I'm not sure exactly how. I That's just didn't enough. click with it. Um, but I can appreciate absolutely everything that that you liked about. It. I can appreciate how you liked. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, like your argument. I don't think there's a problem with it at all. In terms of what you're saying, um, I mean, it was funny because the, the audience was very, very. The screening was very, very full. It was very. It was a big full. audience, and I think the film was getting more laughs than it wanted. Ah. I, I felt that there were points they got a few laughs, not like not wasn't uproarious, but there were points I felt where people were finding it a little silly or a little over serious. But I'm thinking particularly of the scene. Where Elizabeth Debicki is with the guy, yes, and she, and then Viola Davis comes in and she basically has a go at her for sleeping with someone. sleeping with someone like less than two weeks after um, her husband died, yes, and they and they have a brief argument and they slap each other and I feel like I think I didn't laugh but some people in the audience I think felt like that was a bit EastEnders. <laughs> yes, well, I but uh, you know I yeah. mean in a way that's what the film is drawing on is that kind of television glossy melodrama. You know, that's very pleasurable, really. Um, so I kind of... I do suspect that maybe the audience wanted more of that, you know. Oh, really? Yes, I mean, I think... Um, you know, because those are pleasures, really. Um, but I think that... I th this is why, I, you know... I, I mean, my advice to people is, if you go in expecting, like, an art movie you'll think how great it is. If you go in expecting like a big, glossy, big screen version of the television widows, you'll be disappointed. Yeah. Well, that's assumed anyone's actually seen television widows these days. I don't know how many people remember. It's a long time ago. So, long, you know, 35 years old. Maybe, so, um, so I don't know how many people really would actually be familiar with it. People would probably be very surprised to find out that it's, that this is based on an ITV show. Well, um, it's probably always been like on the on video or DVD. I'm sure it's been know. available, but yeah. um, um, so we'll see. I mean, it'll be yeah. interesting to get people's response. 
you know, and that might be a good yes. note to end Have on, you seen so. Widows? I mean, the first one. Yeah. And have you seen this? And how do they compare? That's right. I um, Let I'm, us know. I'm going to go, watch Prime Suspect. Prime Suspect is great. Because I've never seen that. It's and great. And I know it's huge. And actually, the reason I always put off watching Prime Suspect was because I just assumed it was like a massive, long, sort of 25-episode procedural. No, no, for some no. Reason. It's, like it's only two it's, episodes. Yeah. They're, they're big episodes. They're like yes. an hour and a half long. Yes. But there are only two episodes per Prime Suspect. Okay, I thought maybe some of the later ones might be a few more than two. Uh, maybe. Um, um, but they're not long, right? It's 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 not uh, it's not a big series. It's always like a mini series. It might Yeah, exactly. You know, some of them might have been four episodes or something, but that's about it. Uh I'm I'm just gonna check why not. because um, I can. Um there's seven series and fifteen episodes. Okay. So that is you know, two series plus one. <laughs> and each episode was what, 120 minutes or 100 minutes or something like that. Uh, um, 100 minutes. Okay, so there you so go. So, 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 well, that sounds about right to me. So each series was about three minutes. hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Two movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very, very good. Um, well, so. I look forward to them. Yes. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, um, we are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, YouTube, iTunes, and SoundCloud, and eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Right. So um, thank you very uh, much for listening, and kind of and do um, let us know your your views if uh, yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Bye bye then. Bye bye. <laughs>